If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ. Words taken from today's epistle on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Having served here at St. Mary's for so many years, July has made its mark on my soul, on my memory, as camp month. I was in charge of the camps for many years, and now I have passed the baton. But nevertheless, I always think of this month as camp month, and I pray for all our fine young people who will be involved in the camps during these coming weeks, both here in Wausau and at the other location farther south. And I remember from the earliest days a veritable motto of the camp, something which we always left the children with, whether on their their parting gift or simply in the course of our sermons, was a saying of St. Francis de Sales, have no friends except those with whom you share a love of virtue. If we are to speak together for a moment about friendship this morning, we do well to review the types of love which we find in the human experience. These were already distinguished by the ancient Greeks, but what the philosophers taught about love was essentially baptized and incorporated into the vocabulary of Christians in the centuries to come. Christians made use of one particular term in Greek in order to signify, especially in the New Testament, the highest form of love, agape, translated by caritas in Latin, charity. This is the love of God and of all men for God's sake. We can go even further, as St. Francis de Sales does, and say that it is truly God's love for us which when it touches our soul is called grace, and when it flames out back toward God and upon our fellow men, it is called charity. All Christians must have this type of love. The whole of Christian perfection consists in having it. Then there is another type of love, which among the Greeks went by the name of eros, This word signifies the natural desire that exists between men and women. This love is certainly not evil. It is part of God's creation. However, we know from the account of the creation that this love is permitted only to those who are bound under chaste wedlock. Ever since the fall of man, this type of love has been out of order. And one of the reasons Christ instituted the sacrament of matrimony is to put it back in order. Within the bonds of true marriage, the expression of this love is not only permissible, according to our good Catholic theology, it is not only permitted, it is even honorable and virtuous. It even brings the married couple closer to God. 
Thus, the natural desire is raised to the supernatural plane by the sacrament. And just as the priest, we may say, is called by the sacrament of holy orders to take part in that act of divine love, which is transubstantiation, so the married couple is called by the sacrament they share to take part in God's loving act of creation. But love between the spouses cannot end there. They must also have a third type of love, which they share, philia, friendship. This love is permitted to all people who live in the world, married and unmarried. St. Thomas, following the philosophers before him, says that it is impossible to live without it. But this sort of love, too, is not without restriction. For as we heard at the beginning of the sermon, we have always said to our campers, St. Francis de Sales teaches have a great love of charity towards all men, but friendship only with those who are virtuous. True friendship is always based on some sort of commonality. There must be some form of equality between two creatures in order for them to have friendship, which is why we really cannot speak about a 70-year-old woman having friendship with a two-year-old. It must, in fact, be based on a sharing of virtues, intellectual, moral, or theological. Any virtue can be the basis of a true friendship. However, St. Francis teaches us that the greatest friendships are based on faith, hope, and charity, especially charity, since this is the one virtue which will last for all eternity. Friendship, then, is an affection shared by individuals who have some basis for mutual love and sharing of goods. As Christians, we know that friendship is possible even between man and God, because our God has come down to our level by becoming man, being made like to us in all things but sin. He has established a basis of mutual love and intercommunication. It is especially possible, indeed necessary, for those men whom God has called to take part in his holy priesthood. At the ceremony of priestly ordination, what young man is not struck by the words that he hears toward the close of the ceremony? I no longer call you servants, but friends. Priests have a friendship with Christ which is based on the virtue of charity, that love of the eternal Father which can only come from association with Christ, and that love for all men which was the reason for Christ's mission on earth. No man, he said, has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. This love of friendship is, as we said earlier, of great importance also to a happy marriage. Man and wife possess an equality based on the fact that they are both adoptive children of God, redeemed by Christ, 
and that they are both essential ministers of the sacrament of matrimony, by which they are to work out their salvation. Their friendship is based on the virtues of married life, chastity, generosity, meekness, patience. But friendship between man and wife is based ultimately on charity, divine and sacrificial love. As we hear from St. Paul in the nuptial mass, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and delivered himself up for it. Let every one of you love his wife as himself. Do not think that the apostle here is not concerned with wives loving their husbands simply because he speaks more often of husbands loving their wives. It is rather a grave reminder to husbands of where love begins in the home. The church could not love Christ if he did not love her first. And there will be no love within the domestic church, which is what every household is called to be, unless it begins with the head of that household. Friendship is, finally, essential to all those who wish to live a devout life in the world. You cannot simply go through life as apostles and look upon all other men as objects of your missionary work. You must have friends, and you must choose them wisely. Of all the precious counsels which our holy patron gives to us in his introduction to the devout life, we should especially treasure his counsels on friendship. Christians, he says, who live in the world must meet people, for they are bound in charity to be a part of the society of men, and this is an important way in which we bring the love of God to them. But they should go no further than that love of charity unless they find in certain persons a basis for friendship. It may happen that your interaction is at first based on something more mundane, some common practical interest, but virtue can be found there as in all lawful things. Thus we see that friendship, which is based ostensibly on a common love of sports, music, art, literature, cooking, or other skills or recreations, is a true friendship, as long as no sin is present. If you should find at some point that a friendship which you hold is no longer based on virtue, but on another form of affection, especially one that is impossible to your state of life, you are bound in charity to distance yourself from that friendship. I speak here especially of flirtations, which St. Francis de Sales calls very rightly the abortions of friendship. He truly means what he says here. By flirtation, a friendship that might have been is lost. And that is true even for those seeking marriage. If your state of life is such that you are ready to engage in courtship in order to share the sacrament of matrimony with a devout Catholic spouse, a smile and a cheerful demeanor are enough to start you on your way. After all, you want to be friends with your future spouse. Undue familiarity now will lead only to future contempt.
Be assured that inappropriate glances, insinuations, and suggestive remarks are not what will set you down the path to a happy marriage. But if you are already in holy wedlock or consecrated to perpetual chastity, it is evident that flirtation can lead only to a grave betrayal of your vows. We should all love our friends here on earth despite their imperfections. We should not imitate their imperfections for friendship's sake. True friends don't join in taking a break from working out their salvation. They rejoice in bearing their cross together. As for your friendship, as for your friend's sins, well, as a true friend, you have an obligation to admonish them. And if their sins reach the point where there is no longer any virtue which you can share with them without becoming entangled in vice, the love of charity must take over where the love of friendship left off. If we ever hope to leave this world unscathed by sin, we cannot make everyone our friend. But we can love all men, which is nothing other than to want God and heaven for all men, confident in those words that if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ. May that sweet Savior of ours who deigned to call us friends grant us the grace to heal our wounded friendships and acquire new ones founded on a love of virtue so that we may rejoice together forever in the presence of our merciful brother and redeemer. Amen.